This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Carpe Diem with your host, Lisa McDonald. My mama told me when I was young, we're all on superstars. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me or rejoining me on this lovely Friday. Here I am, Lisa McDonald, uh, with my show, Carpe Diem, Dundas, Ontario, Canada. And super grateful and excited for my lovely guest today, Marcy Ayen. Uh, we've been trying to coordinate this for a while, and she's been very flexible with me, so I really appreciate that. And what I do before I turn this over to unscripted dialogue with my guest, as some of you may already know if you regularly tune in, is I'm just going to plug uh, Marcy a little bit, just give you a little bit of introductory information before we turn it over to unscripted dialogue. So a little bit about Marcy I.N., Marcy is a news junkie, a mom of two, a basketball fan, and on November 24th, 2011, she became the co-host of Canada AM CTV News National Morning Program. Already a familiar face in the mornings, IN was Canada AM's new anchor, news anchor from 2003 to 2011. A graduate of Ryerson University, IN was appointed Distinguished Visiting Professor at Ryerson University's Radio and Television Arts, RTA program. Selected among 22 notable alumni in January 2015, IN guest lectures and participates in workshops and presentations with students and faculty offering insight on the latest developments in television. In 2014, Ryerson University Radio and Television Arts, RTA, bestowed upon IN the distinction of having an award co-named in her honour by the RTA School of Media. The Marcy IN and Dwight Drummond Awards celebrate students from underrepresented and marginalized communities who show great potential in any three of RTA's programs. In 2013, IN was inducted into the RTA Wall of Fame for her significant contributions to the field of media. Her career in television spans over three decades and has taken IN from Halifax, where she joined CTV National News as a reporter in 1997, to Vancouver, where she was the news anchor for CTV's Olympic morning at the 2010 Winter Olympic Games. IN's charity work has seen her travel the globe. In 2008, she traveled to Sierra Leone on behalf of Journalists for Human Rights. She also works with World Vision, for whom she traveled to Sri Lanka to report on the situation following the 2004 tsunami. Before joining Canada AM, IN was a reporter based in CTV News Atlantic Bureau from 2001 to 2003. Prior to this, she reported for CHTV in Hamilton, or CHCHTV in Hamilton. In 1995, IN began reporting at Queen's Park covering daily political news for CHCHTV's regional newscast, as well as its British Columbia-based evening show, Canada Tonight. IN's first television job was on the Canadian children's television series Circle Square at the age of 10. IN currently resides in Toronto with her family. Please follow Marcy on Twitter at MarcyIN. So, Marcy, thank you so much for joining me today. It's such a pleasure to have you here. Oh, it's a pleasure to be with you, Lisa. 
And, uh, for those of, uh, for those of us who are tuning in, some people wouldn't know that you actually were already working this morning. You had your, yes, your show this morning. Yes. You know what? I am, I am almost eight hours in already. Wow. Isn't that <laughs> we, we get to work at four, four thirty in the morning and, and that's when we have our kind of pre-production meeting for Canada AM and then we're on the air from six to nine. And uh-huh. a post meeting after that, and uh, kind of pitching ideas for upcoming shows, and 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 that's how the day goes. Fantastic. So, how many pots of coffee are you on now? Can you believe I don't drink coffee? Are you serious? Yeah, it's wrong in every way. None of us do. <laughs> so, my co-host Bev Thompson and Jeff Hutchison, none of uh-huh. us drink coffee. We do drink tea, and uh-huh. I'm now on to to decaffeinated tea because I was going through far too much of it. And so Bev actually got me started on this the delicious decaffeinated tea. That It's a herbal brand that, that I now drink. But, yeah, no coffee for us. Wow. Is that part of the criteria just so you're not extra jumpy on the air? No, it's not. I mean, the rest of our AM family, I think our, our <laughs> camera crew, everybody else, you know, has their mug of coffee in hand. It's just us. We're just not coffee drinkers. I never have been. I'm more of a tea drinker. And, uh-huh. and had to manage the caffeine with the tea. I just felt that I was, I was drinking, you know, going through five and six mugs of tea <laughs> during the show. So Beth said, you might want to try this. And now I've got a nice calming herbal brand. Well, lovely. You sound very mm-hmm. calm this morning. So <laughs> good way to start the show. But uh, I just want to say how impressed I am. I mean, what a, what a bio, what a career. And uh, I'm really interested when I interview my guests, when I have our little chat for the hour, you know, I'm always interested in the inception of the journey. So, you know, if you want to take us back to perhaps when you were a little girl, is this something sure. you kind of envisioned for yourself? Was this something you were passionate about? Were you very comfortable asserting yourself to be out there in the limelight, uh, to talk, to interview, to meet people? Was that already I always, part of your DNA? I always loved people, Lisa, but I'll tell uh-huh. you, when I was nine years old and went to my first audition with Circle Square, uh, the show that I eventually was cast on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was just one of those things where my dad, my dad uh, is a retired educator, and one of the teachers in his school at the time had, I, I can't remember, it was a son or daughter who did a lot of extra work and commercial work. And I was a frequent visitor at my dad's school. I would show up on my PD days. He worked for a separate board of education at the time, and, and the staff quite, you know, they got to know me and this particular teacher said you know Marcy might be good for this kind of work and this is audition coming up and here's the thing Lisa my dad who knew nothing about you know the television industry Mm -hmm. or kids programming said sure and that right there when my parents said you know sure you know we'll bring her to this this audition that was everything because they didn't know anything about it and they did it anyway so we get to this audition and they had me read some script they had me sing a little bit and it was one of these cattle call auditions, and there were a lot of kids there. And then I got a call back, and then I got another call back, and then I was offered a, a role on this show. And that that lasted six years. So from 10 wow. to 16, I did this show, Circle Square, and really we became a family. And I really thought at one time I might act. I felt very comfortable you know, with lines and character and that kind of thing. News came a little later. It came, it came later. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so and so what was the schedule like being on that show for that many well, years? How did that how did you work school and everything into that? So quite fortuitous because it was the schedule I have now. Basically, we did wow. early mornings, Lisa. So Saturday and Sunday mornings, I was up at 3:30 in the morning 
much the same way I am now, honestly, at 10 years old. And my dad was the one that would drive me downtown to the studio, and we were on set at 6. And so all these years later, it's the same kind of timeline, (laughs) Uh, but Monday to Friday and not Saturdays and, and, um, you know, weekends. So that's how we did it. And there were times where we would tape at various locations, some of them in Canada, some of them in the States. A lot of the time, we actually went to the West Indies. We were in Jamaica a couple of times and, and, and did some tapings there. And that would happen during extended breaks. So if we were on, for example, a March break at school, my March break, instead of being a week, would be extended to two. Lovely. And I would go off and, and shoot. But the deal with my parents was always, listen, my marks could never suffer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in order to continue uh, with the show, I had to do it all. And that's where the multitasking came in that serves me quite well right now. Well, you've obviously juggled it exceptionally well. Good for you. And so do you do you still maintain relationships uh, with some of those other children who would obviously be, you know, adults your age now and yes. found out how yes. their careers are going? With, are they doing yes, some of the Some of them I do, Lisa, and it's really interesting because many have stayed in this industry. Um, one of my good friends, uh, Stacey Spaulding, is now a director, and her dad was actually the director of our show. She was a cast member, and she's gone on to direct herself. Uh, and is a fanta- and does a fantastic job. Uh, another gentleman, his name is Adam Sternberg, and he actually lives and works in New York and is an editor with the New York Times. Wow. And so people have done, you know what, a lot have done really, really well. Excellent. And do you ever have reunions for the for that show as a cast? Do you ever come yes, back? Yes, there have been a couple. We've had kind of restaurant reunions. There was one a couple of years ago where we all met at a restaurant in downtown Toronto and caught up. Some <laughs> of the cast members live in live in the states. Adam being one, and um, there's another young woman as well that lives in California. Uh, but it, we we have, and social media is great that way too. It's it's mm-hmm. great to catch up and keep in touch Isn't with it? with friends. Oh yeah, it's been fantastic, mm-hmm. and I've gotten you know tweets or emails or you know just <laughs> Facebook pokes. Remember me? As, of course I remember you. You know, and it was neat. And I should say too that the cast changed through the years. I was mm-hmm. one of the well, I would say I guess veteran cast members, but mm-hmm. there were a couple of kids that kind of maybe were with us for a year and then not. But there were, you know, three, four, maybe five that stayed together through those through those six years. Phenomenal. And so how did that experience shape you and mold you in going forward as a person, as a woman, as a careerist, uh, for everything else you then chose to endeavor to do? How, how did that change you? How did that morph you? It tapped into courage. And the courage, I think, that was always there um, great parents who really told my sister and I that really anything is possible. It sounds cliche, but they did. And they not only said it, but they modeled it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as immigrants coming to this country, they, they pushed and they worked hard and it paid off. And so my sister and I were able to see that. But being on the program, you know, this work ethic um, shaped me. And mm-hmm. the sense of family and teamwork shaped me. And a lot of the people that that worked on it, I mentioned Stacy's dad, uh, his name is John Spaulding, uh, and, and some others were actually in the industry, uh, in various aspects of the industry. So John, for example, worked at CBC full-time, but this was a side project for him. And many of the people on the show 
that's the way it was, that this was a side project and they would work in other facets of the industry. And a lot of them had taken the Ryerson route. A lot of them had, you know, done radio and television arts or journalism at Ryerson. And so almost by osmosis, because I was in that environment, you know, it kind of shaped what I wanted to do. I was interested in it. I They were my second family. They told me, you know, about their journeys. And, and so I decided at a pretty young age the route that I wanted to go, but I didn't know that it would be news. I fell in love with news actually in university. Wow. While I was there because I became a writer, and that's another story altogether. I just love the written word, and I became a writer at, at CHCH, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Good for you. Good for you. And so what are, what are some of the more, I mean, obviously everything's been linked, and it's all uh, part and parcel of your journey, but is there one, one aspect of your career that uh, you look back on and you think, wow, you know, that was it for me, that 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 was what I really love to do, uh, whether you're wearing that particular hat now, maybe it's a culmination of everything. Is there, is there one experience in particular that really stands out and resonates with you as being all-encompassing, you being in your moment? There, there are a couple. And one um, pivotal moment was, and I, I, always, I always refer to it as, as the power of no, because there was a time uh, very early on in my career when a senior executive told me I didn't have what it really took to make it in this industry. And it was, and, 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 you know, for someone to say that and someone that had a lot of experience behind them, I mean, it was one of those crossroads moments. It was, well, do I believe this person and just find myself another career or do I move on regardless? And that choice, and there really is power in that little word no. That choice to say, you know what, I'm pushing on, and come hell or high water, I'm going to try and make this work. And I, it really was a pivotal moment because there were a lot of there were a lot more downs than ups at the beginning, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it was just about perseverance. But at that point, it could have been either give up or go on, and I chose to go on. And Yay. it's been a long journey, but a really good journey. Having said that. When I was in in Halifax, um, started there in '97, and that's where my my national career with CTV started. Um, when the Swiss Air crash happened a couple years later, and I was there, it was a pivotal time because that's that's the story that really tested me, and it tested me because I would call myself, and it's I, I'm a journalist that yes, I, I want the story, I want mm-hmm. to tell the story properly. I want to be respectful in the telling of it, but as journalists, we're taught not to become the story, and that's a story that really pulled at my heartstrings. Mm -hmm. That plane was filled with people from all over the world, and so Mm -hmm. basically the world descended on this little hamlet of Peggy's Cove when that jetliner came down, Mm -hmm. and these people came from all over the world trying to find answers as to why their their loved ones were taken. And I watched as this community came together, people opened their homes, um, mm-hmm. strangers, you know, the warmth of strangers, the love of strangers was so apparent. And it really pulled at me. And at the same time, I wanted to be respectful. Mm-hmm. And it, it was a really hard time as a journalist, but I think I learned the most. And in sticking to that whole philosophy 
we got the best stories because people trusted us and they opened up. But it was it was hard. There were things that we couldn't air on the national newscast because, frankly, you know, the visuals were just far too grim. There were right. things that we were looking at and um, day in and day out that, you know, I, I had to look away from several times. And it was really, really hard. But as a team, we persevered, and I think we told the story the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, another, oh, there's there, there have been so many. Let me just recent. ask you, Marcia, yeah. I want to touch upon that. I don't want to lose that. Sure, no, sure, yeah. sure, please. So, you know, how how do you as a news team, because obviously we all know that news isn't always pleasant and upbeat. So uh, how do you how do you decompress individually and as a team? How do you keep the spirit going of positivity when you know that a lot of perhaps what you're delivering, unfortunately, whether it be breaking news, you know, shocking things that come into you through the feed last minute unexpected. How do you how do you keep yourself uh, positive. How do you keep yourself um, not jaded? How do you how do you push through that? It, you know what, Lisa, you hit it right, uh, the nail right on, on the head. There, it's it's pushing through, and it's not necessarily keeping yourself, you know, unjaded. It's just it's just pushing through and holding each other up. There are times, you know, that I'll come into the studio and I will say to Bev, Bev, okay, I just need you to push me today because mm-hmm. there have been, you know, five, six seven stories about dead kids and I have a saying I call it a quilt day where I will just go home after the show and get under a quilt and just try to decompress Mm -hmm. because there's been so you know much bad news and I think okay what kind of world are we living in and then you know what Lisa the next day there'll be a beautiful story or two or three about the kindness of strangers and about people coming together, you know, in the worst of times, coming mm-hmm. together and just helping one another. And those are the stories that, that keep you going, that really restore your faith in humanity, because there's a lot right now that would really just push you over the edge. Right. And I, you know, I am, I am a caring person. I am a person that feels. Mm-hmm. And so I am what I am on the air. You know, mm-hmm. what you see is what you get. Um, I'm a feeling, caring person, and mm-hmm. I'm not changing anytime soon. Excellent. So if there's a hard story to tell, then you're going to know that it's hard for me to tell it. Mm-hmm. And I will never apologize for that. Well, and that comes through. I mean, you're very genuine. You're very authentic. And, uh, and of course, when you're delivering news that is raw and unexpected and, uh, you know, pulls at the heartstrings, I mean, you know, you can't, I mean, empaths feel everything at the chorus level, right? So, um, and so your personality, your demeanor, that really comes through. And I think that's why you've got the listenership. I think that's why you've got the fans and the loyalty because we do live in a world where, you know, people are really starving and hungry for authenticity. Uh, you know, people who aren't robotic and news, news perhaps or anything that we do in our daily routine could be perceivably robotic, but it, it's, you know, it, it's how you present it. It's your approach. It's your attitude. It's your inflection. Uh, you know, it's the attitude in which you choose to deliver any aspect of who you are, job-wise, personality-wise, spiritually. So, um, so good for you because that truly does come through. Well, thanks so much, Lisa. I always, you know, Walter Cronkite, one of the greatest ever. I, mm-hmm. I, I just, I can't tell you how many times I have looked at the, the visuals of him reporting on President Kennedy's death. 
And one of, you know, if one of the best news people ever to grace a desk had to roll up his sleeves and, you know, through tears in his eyes, report to the nation, to the world that the president had been shot, mm-hmm. um, then you know what? Um, I, I think we're okay in showing some feeling. I think we're okay in being our authentic selves, even on a news desk. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so going back to what you were saying originally about the individual who was a bit of a veteran or had the experience who yes. indicated to you that perhaps you weren't, you know, you weren't able to cut it or you didn't have what it took. Has that person ever reapproached you to either offer an apology or to say, wow, I'm so glad that you proved me wrong and what a lesson that was for me to kind of maybe pipe it down a bit? <laughs> Keep no. my opinions to myself? No. No, no, really? No, 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 that never, that never happened. But, um, I'm sure that person's watching now. Yay! <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure that person's watching now. But it really, it's, and this is something that I say to young people all the time. You know, you have to believe that you've got something to offer. Mm-hmm. And also, that the story is never about you. You've got the opportunity to tell someone else's story or really have them tell it and just be the conduit. And, and that's what it's about. It's not about glitz and glamour. It's about really having the privilege of, of listening mm-hmm. and just imparting knowledge and, and, and having others tell their story in, in, a, in a safe environment. Beautiful. Excellent. And so in terms of some of the bio and, and other things that I had mentioned, you know, do you want to talk a little bit about what the feeling was was for you when you knew that you were going to be the recipient of these awards through the RTA program and uh, that you were going to be inducted into the Wall of Fame and and being invited back as part of the alumni to do mentorship and, and to do speaking. And, you know, you want to talk a little bit about that and maybe somebody else's success story that you've mentored and what they're now doing with their career? Sure. It's just such a privilege. Ryerson gave me so much, not mm-hmm. just as a student, but as a person, because the professors that we had were, were working people. They were in the industry. And so the kind of information that they could impart from week to week or on a daily basis was invaluable because they were doing it. You know, mm-hmm. they were reporting. Um, they were producing. They were mm-hmm. do- so they, they knew it. I mean, there isn't a textbook that could have provided the knowledge that they did. And so that, I mean, that has stayed with me. And you mentioned Dwight Drummond. And, and Dwight, of course, is an anchor at CBC, 6 o'clock anchor at CBC News in mm-hmm. Toronto. And it will be 25 years ago this year that Dwight and I walked through the doors of Ryerson and we did that together. Wow. And so we decided we, we are the best of friends and we decided that we would, we would um, come up with this scholarship to help kids who are maybe struggling, you know, just to pay their bills, books are expensive, that kind of thing, but also give back to our school. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll tell you, it has been so gratifying just to see what's happened and mm-hmm. what students are doing. I mean, they teach me so much. They really do. I mean, Absolutely. these kids, are, they're brilliant. And I love mm-hmm. being there because I, you know, for selfish reasons, I think, ooh, we could use them at AM. <laughs> you know, seriously, come to an internship. You know, so it's <laughs> completely, completely selfish reasons. But, uh-huh. you know, when it, when it comes to the awards, I mean, it's, it's so, it's lovely. But frankly, when they called me, um, I was shocked. I really was because, you know, 
it's not the reason I'm doing this. I'm just trying to do a good job. The fact that someone's noticed and it happens to be my alma mater, that makes it special. Absolutely. But, but really, I was quite overwhelmed and mm-hmm. and felt, you know, do I really deserve this? Really, there could be – really, I just I, – it was unexpected. Wow. And I'm just so – I'm so very, very grateful. Um, well, congratulations to you. What a – what a what a wonderful tribute to you and uh you know and obviously they don't issue out those types of awards freely or loosely so you know you can take i'm sure credit and stock in the understanding and the belief that you know you've proven yourself you've paid your dues and people you know you resonate with people people resonate with you and uh you're doing all this great stuff and you wear a lot of different hats which shows your diversity it shows your humanity and your humility so it's it's good to see good people being recognized for their selflessness and for their commitment and dedication to what they believe in and, and honoring and honing their passions. So good for you. There are a lot of young people, Lisa, that um, I've had the privilege of mentoring through the years mm-hmm. who have not only done so well in the university setting, but that have come through our offices as well. Our former assignment editor, um, who I helped to, to mentor, is now running a station in Kitchener. Wow! Um, there are many, there are many young people who are writing either online, uh, whether it be HuffPost or, or other publications, mm-hmm. who have come through our offices, who I've been able to mentor. I mean, there's a there's a long list over the 18 years that I've been here. Of, of great success stories, fantastic success stories. Well, that's extremely impressive, and it's obviously a testament to the program itself at the university to, to produce that many kind of outcomes, positive outcomes, and, and people endeavoring to do what they went to school for. So, I mean, that's a, that's a testimonial to the program itself and to the university. It is, and it's, it's, and I, I think too, because it's so cutting edge. Obviously, the industry is changing. Conventional television is changing. We've got to do things differently to grab, you know, other demographics, and you've got the whole online component, and technology has changed, but so too has the university. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's it's just amazing. I look at, you know, there's a sports media program that didn't exist that's just started because, you know, sports broadcasting is huge. It's huge. Oh, I'm so sorry. I've got phones. I'm so sorry. That's okay. I will just turn that off. I'm sorry. I wish (laughs) I could say it was breaking news and not, and not, I think, uh, my mom calling me. But we're just (laughs) on silent right now. I'm sorry. But, um, it's just, it's just great because it is cutting edge in so many ways. And, you know, the students are benefiting. They really are because they're making it into the newsrooms. Dwight would tell you the same thing. And they're coming in there and they're prepared. They've mm-hmm. been prepared for the new reality of of the changing, ever-changing newsroom, and it's mm-hmm. just fantastic. And they come with ideas, you know, and, and this is why they, they teach me all the time, you know, <laughs> the, because they see things with fresh eyes, mm-hmm. and that, that in itself is amazing. Beautiful. Inspiring. And so... You know, what, what would you attribute the changes or when would you have noticed that the, the changes had precipitated within media or news broadcast? Um, did you start to see a certain event maybe transpire in the course of our time that changed how people delivered the news, how people reported? You know, social media, you know, and when I say this, Twitter and, and Facebook, 
Mm-hmm. And all of these things has really changed news because what it means is that if a reporter is on scene, that reporter is also uh, meant to tweet what he or she is seeing mm-hmm. or do a blog on what he or she is seeing. Mm-hmm. And that has meant a huge change. That's not just about filing a story for a show, you know, that may happen six, seven hours so that the reporter can stay in the field, absorb the information, do the interviews, and then file. It's constant because news, mm-hmm. there's a 24-hour cycle. So you may be in a courtroom and you're tweeting, if so allowed. You are blogging. You are using your cell phone as a camera and doing interviews yourself. It's at crazy. This is, yeah, it is. And that's completely changed things. And it's mm-hmm. become the norm and it's become what the audience expects mm-hmm. because it is 24-7. Mm-hmm. And, and you- so I think, I think social media has changed things drastically. It has. It absolutely has. I can only imagine how it would be from your perspective with what you do. Um, how do you feel perhaps the event of 9-11 changed news? You know, this this was an event that did in so, so many ways. I mean, first the breaking news aspect and really the disbelief. What, mm-hmm. what is it we're seeing here mm-hmm. was the first thing. And then when reporters understood what was happening, then everything went into overdrive. The setting for me at that time, I was preparing to get married, uh, believe it believe it or not. And wow. so when 9-11 uh, comes around, it's very close to my wedding anniversary, and we were getting married overseas. And so uh, when 9-11 happened, I had taken some time off work to prepare for my wedding. And I watched as Lisa LaFlam and Rod Black, who had mm-hmm. just started on the desk together on Canada, and they were the new hosts of Canada AM, mm-hmm. navigated this huge, huge story. And it was also the, the, the whole idea of, are we going to be first or are we going to be right? And that's mm-hmm. the other tricky thing. You know, you want to make sure that you're reporting the facts. Absolutely. And you want to make sure, and, the, and with breaking news, that can be, re- because things are so fluid that what seems to be right at that moment isn't factual five minutes later. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's that whole, that whole, and then the angles to the story. And I mean, because of all the planes involved, there were so many different angles and so mm-hmm. many different scenes. And so to cover a multi-scene situation like that, you know, as a news organization is a whole other thing. You know, the crews, the capacity, and then how do you travel? Because as as you'll remember, you know, our best man was coming out of New York City mm-hmm. and was meant to fly um, to our wedding in St. Thomas in the Virgin Islands. Uh-oh. And 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 so there were there were you know day by day there were bomb threats at LaGuardia and JFK. Um, no one knew whether they were credible or not, so they just shut things down at, at a moment's notice. He didn't know if he was going to make it. But these are the kind of things that were happening, and you know the victims, the victims' families, yes. and it was so overwhelming, all of it. You know, for everyone, and this is why these pictures are seared in our memory because they almost look surreal. Mm-hmm. They really do. They almost look, well, they do, surreal when you mm-hmm. see the smoke and the rubble and the distress on the faces and just everything. How could this be happening on what, on a day? And I remember looking at the sky that morning as I was preparing for my wedding 
uh, it was probably the most gorgeous day, blue, blue sky and brilliant sun. And then mm-hmm. this. And then this. Yeah. You there, Marcy? I'm here. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, you know, and so not to sound a little bit repetitive, but for something on a smaller scale and not to take away from the significance of it, but when you're, you know, you're going into the station and something breaking comes in, but it's more at the micro level as compared to something breaking coming in and, and, you know, as you just described, 9-11 and it being at a macro level. So how do you differentiate the ways in which you, your colleagues, you know, people across the board within the industry uh, all being collectively one and knowing that you're all going through the same things because of the roles and the hats that you play within that. How do you differentiate in the ways in which you decompress or you um, work through something like that? I mean, are there, are there counselors on the news stations? You know, we don't, um, there, there are people that are offered, you know, I have colleagues that covered, for instance, the Bernardo trial. Mm-hmm. Um, when I covered Swiss Air, um, I took some time off after mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. and just went went and, and spent some time just, you know, to be quiet and, and mm-hmm. to kind of just clear my head. So people handle it in different ways, and, yes, things are offered um, if need be. But people, it's a very personal thing, yeah. and people decompress in, in various ways. Mm-hmm. You know, and I wouldn't, you know, even pretend to know all of those ways but I can tell you, you know, usually I'll just want a couple of days to either get out of town or just have some quiet time. Because mm-hmm. unless you're in it, you can't quite understand it. Mm-hmm. It's not something, you know, I've, I, I can't explain to my family what I'm going through um, mm-hmm. because I just wouldn't do a good enough job. Those feelings are really hard to explain unless you're in it. Mm-hmm. And, and feeling that and seeing those pictures, whatever they might be, or hearing, you know, victims, family members speak, um, you really can't explain what that does. Mm-hmm. And so the thing is, I, I know when I need time. And when okay. I need time, I take it. It's, it's yeah. listening to oneself and knowing that, okay, you know what, I need a bit of a time out. I need a break. Absolutely. And being true to that and taking that time. Good. Good. And um, and so in terms of the career and, you know, media and what we all know about media and all the different news stations out there, who in the field, uh, whether it's been somebody that you've been mentored by or not even necessarily, but somebody whose career that you've followed, who, you know, you've learned a lot from or you are in awe of them or, uh, you know, you, you've... You followed their career and, and seen some of the decisions they've made or how they've navigated through media or through news specifically. Who do you admire? Who do you feel is quite stellar in this profession? Ed Bradley, up to the day mm-hmm. he died. Mm-hmm. I love and loved Ed Bradley. Mm-hmm. That is a man. He was a master storyteller, and his interviews were wonderful, and they were mm-hmm. wonderful because he was such a good listener. Mm-hmm. And the questions were crisp, and mm-hmm. he could bring things out of people that no one else really, really could. Mm-hmm. Um, I also had great respect for Brian Linehan. Do you remember Brian? Yes, I do. Who did City Life? Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, and I remember even being, you know, really young and just being completely taken with this man who 
invariably would get the question from whoever he was talking to, how did you know that? Where did you, where did you come up with that? Because he would, the research was impeccable. Yeah. He always seemed to find something that no one else knew or that mm-hmm. no one really else maybe had the gumption to ask. Right. And from Liza Minnelli, seriously, all the people that he interviewed through the years, some Hollywood titans who would say, where did you get that info? No one knew that. What happened? How did you get that? And uh-huh. he was just a master researcher and a master mm-hmm. interviewer. And I think that's it. You know, it's about caring enough to just dig a little deeper mm-hmm. and just to see people at a human level. Mm-hmm. They aren't, you know, the celeb, the, the, just to see them at a human level, just the nuts and bolts and go at it that way. And Ed Bradley did that and Linehan certainly did that. Yeah, and classy, just very classy. Classy to the nth degree. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, and um, and what's the what would be the ratio right now? I know that women have come a long way, um, you know, and it's still unfortunate that we sometimes have to preface things that way to know that there is distinctions or that you know not everything's uh, equitable completely across the board in the workforce. But in your three decades of being uh, around media, involved in media. Are you seeing women kind of catching up, taking on the bigger roles, the bigger positions? Are, are you seeing more equity in that? Oh, absolutely. Our newsroom, our president of news is a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, several vice presidents under her are women. The executive in charge of our show, uh, as well as several other shows under the production um uh, umbrella is a woman mm-hmm. and I co-host with a woman. Um, this is, it, it is an incredible time uh, for women in this industry and mm-hmm. not just that they're, they're good. You know, mm-hmm. it isn't even just, they're, they're fan, they're, they're just, they're trailblazing mm-hmm. and deservedly, and deservedly so. <laughs> um, this is an industry really where, where, where women are making things happen and continue to. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy to say are, you know, sending that elevator back down and bringing other women up with them. Love that. I love how you put that. They most certainly are. And that is important too, not Mm -hmm. to enjoy the success and, you know, on your own, but to make sure that there are others behind you. Mm -hmm. Very true. And that, that would be the definition of a true leader. Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. And so for everything that you've already endeavored to do, everything that you've accomplished, all your accolades and successes uh, and your notoriety and people who obviously know who you are, what what do you have on your list that you have yet to endeavor that you feel a burning passion to do, whether it's something that, uh, you know, maybe perhaps you had once treated as a hobby, but it's something that you'd like to incorporate at a more serious level of commitment in your life. Is there anything outstanding for you that you feel an itch to do? Well, there are a couple of things, and we've started to do it at our network a little bit more, and I love that we are, and that is the synergy between different shows and different networks. Okay. For example, last year, it was right around um, playoffs, NBA playoffs. I'm a huge basketball fan. Yes. And I was able to do an interview with the Raptors head coach, Dwayne Casey, mm-hmm. but I did it for TSN. Oh. And it was it was it was amazing because my um, you know my dream was well why aren't we kind of playing up this synergy a little bit we're all in the same building mm-hmm. why aren't we kind of crisscrossing and sharing our audiences 
And so I was so grateful when TSN and CTV National News came together, we shared resources, and I, under the Canada AM banner, was able to sit down with Coach Casey and <laughs> TSN camera shot it, and then it was able to air on SportsCenter, which is wow. amazing. Which is amazing. That is amazing. And it's, and this morning, so we're doing collaborative stuff. Really want to continue that. Just mm-hmm. this morning on our show, Rick Westhead, who uh, is a senior reporter with TSN, collaborated with W5. And they will be airing this weekend um, a, a whole, it's actually an amazing piece on steroid use, online steroid use amongst young Canadians. Through Fantastic. university and, and how uh, these drugs are so easily accessible. But mm-hmm. Rick collaborated with W5 to do that. So you've got reporters kind of, you know, meandering back and forth and divisions working together to produce some Excellent. interesting and amazing work. So would really love to do a lot more of that. Excellent. So a lot more collaboration and cross A lot more collaboration between our properties and it works. You know, Fantastic. it works really well. We were, we're, you know, strong. Uh, within our teams, but I think we're stronger together. You know, mm-hmm. new ideas um, come forth. It's just amazing. I mean, the piece that, that Rick has done with W5 is, is an amazing piece that brings to light some very interesting things that I think Canadians would be, you know, will be interested to learn about. Mm-hmm. But that's just, you know, Rick crossing the floor and going to W5 <laughs> or me crossing the floor and doing something for TSN. Uh-huh. And it just keeps things fresh as well, de- delving into new territory. Well, not to mention that's quite progressive because once upon a time, you know, whether you're talking about radio, whether you're talking about TV, uh, syndicated programs, you know, there's always a competition for ratings and people kind of wanting to keep things in-house as opposed to sharing and, and stepping outside and branching. That's it, staying in your lane. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So. yeah, and I think it's time to kind of veer out of the lane now. Good. And we're showing that we can do that and not only do it, do it well. Good. Why Good. not pool our resources? Well, that's right. You know, and I've always been a firm believer in that, you know, depending on, it doesn't even really matter what your level of management might be or leadership. You know, the person who at the top shares all their information knows that they're building a stronger team of individual leaders. And that's what you want. You don't want to hoard all the information. And then when you're not there, everything falls apart. That, that that's you know, right. and that used to be the way it was. So I'm so happy to hear that there's been, you know, advancements and progression and collaboration. I think that's amazing. The other thing, I've always had this this kind of pet project on the side. Well, I shouldn't even call it a project. It's just been a thought. Um, there is a group of, of gentlemen that my dad went to school with. He went to U of T. That mm-hmm. he went to school with. So he, he and my mom left Trinidad, you know, 50-something years ago to come to Toronto to go to school. And they met... Uh, other, you know, people that became friends. Mm-hmm. And so there is this group of gentlemen that meets once a month, and they call themselves the Romeos. Don't laugh. But they're all <laughs> they're all UT grads, and they're all in their 70s now, some in their 80s. And they wow. meet for lunch, and they talk about old times, and they, you know, they reminisce. And I just think, okay, this is a fascinating fascinating documentary because mm-hmm. the stories that they can tell about life back then, you know, in Toronto or leaving their homeland, seeing snow for the first time <laughs> and then having to carve their own way and their journeys, mm-hmm. the stories are fantastic. And it's Beautiful. something I've always wanted to do. So I've got to find the time to do that. Well, there you go. Sadly, you know, you know, some of the, the gentlemen are, they're starting to pass away. They're, mm-hmm. they're getting older. 
Mm-hmm. And now's the time to capture those stories because absolutely you, know, you don't want to see them. You don't want to see those stories go with them. Not at all. Right. Well, that's beautiful, Marcy. And so, you know, do you have any advice? You know, it doesn't have to be necessarily specific to this line of work or media, but what would your advice be in general to anybody who has a goal, anybody who has a vision, anybody who's into visualization, manifesting, setting intentions? What what do you say to people? That there will always be peripheral noise. Mm -hmm. There will always be people who will say, you can't. But the only voice that matters is your own and the voices of those that love you. And so it's just so important to make sure you're telling yourself that you can, even though there are detractors saying there's just no way. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that yours is the only voice that matters, yours and the people that love you and that you know want the best for you. Nothing else matters. Yes. And I would also say, just as, as a woman in this industry, because we hear so much about balance, and, and that's one of the questions I get all of that. How do you balance? And I say, I don't. I've thrown that whole balance thing out the window because it just creates too much pressure. It really does. And yes. I also think that this is something that men don't get asked about, and why not? Right. But I, you know, that's another thing. Also, I have not, ever, I ask the question all the time to busy men, how do you balance career and family? Because I don't think it gets, I don't think it gets asked enough of, of, our, of our lovely men. Um, but I, I, I really did. I, I threw it out the window because I thought I will not bring this guilt upon myself about not spending enough time with my kids, working too much this week. What I realize is, you know, as parents, our kids are watching. We model certain behavior. My kids know that I love them and put them before anything, but they also know that I work hard, and that's something I want them to know. I want them to know that it's important to work hard and it's important to have goals and dreams and not only just have them but realize them. And so that's something that I want to show them. So if it, you know, if one week I am, you know, working 60% of the time and, you know, I'm not, you know, spending 40% with my family, that's just how it goes. And Mm -hmm. I'm not going to feel guilty about that because it all works out and it does. My, you know, our kids are pretty well adjusted and life mm-hmm. is very, very busy, but they know that they have a mom. They've got parents that love them very, very much and are there for them. Absolutely. And that's, and that's really the bottom line. But this whole, you've got to balance this, you know, no, you don't because it well, never, I, will, I, it never know, will work I, out. That's right. And I personally want to thank you for saying that because I don't think I've ever heard, I'll be honest, I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that. And I think that's such an important message uh, to impart because, you know, the message that we get out there and it's droned into us, particularly as women, is, you know, you do have to balance. And, and there's always the two schools of thought, you know, to the degree, how much are you perhaps being selfish, establishing your career? You know, the more you ramp up, the more preoccupied you get, the more you get pulled into. And so then there's always the question of, okay, who's suffering? There's always the assumption somebody has to be suffering. And, and they're so, not, Lisa. And they're, they're not. not suffering. They're, they're not, not suffering because, you know, you, you, modeling behavior that really they need to see Absolutely. and that really will help them develop. You know, they've, they've got a mother that is working hard, that is passionate. How could that be bad? Absolutely. How could that be? How is that a bad thing that is passionate and showing them, you know, that, that things are possible? Mm-hmm. And trying to break down, bear- how is that bad? Mm-hmm. That that's not a bad thing. It's a very no, very not. good thing, and we need to stop 
the guilt that mm-hmm. we put on ourselves and this whole balance. It drives me crazy really, because <laughs> there is no equilibrium. There isn't. There just isn't. And we bring all of this upon ourselves and we need to stop and we just really need to support each other and do the best that we can. Really, nothing's perfect. Nothing will ever be perfect. Mm -hmm. But, you know, um, yeah, that that whole pursuit of perfection and balance and everything else is just, it it doesn't work out well. Let's put it that way. Well, and it's also, you know, when you talk about the role modeling aspect, uh, you know, let's let's truly prepare our children for the reality. We think that we're living in a busy paced environment right now. We think that we're expected to multitask to the degree that we do continuously on a day in day out basis. Well, you know, if we truly love our children too, we can't do them the disservice of, of, uh, misleading them as to the realities of what they're going to branch into, which we may not even understand or conceive of at this point, what that's going to look like for our children. Exactly. So, There's no need to coddle them. That's um, right. These are the real, these are, these are, these are the realities. And sometimes, you know, the reality may not be pretty, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's also important to teach those lessons to learn, you know, what to do if, if there's something that doesn't work out and what failure looks like sometimes mm-hmm. and what it means to get back up after, after failure and not succeeding at something or having a bad day, what that looks like. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, there's everything right with that. Absolutely. Well, I agree with that wholeheartedly, and I think that's such an important, profound message to to share with us, and I certainly got a lot out of that. I really appreciate that. From one woman to another, I really I really appreciate that. Thank you, Lisa. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I I could go on for hours speaking with you. There's just so, <laughs> there's just so much yummy stuff in your life, and, and uh, you know, you're just very well-versed, and you've got a nice vibe to you, and you're very down-to-earth, and... Uh, I've really enjoyed talking to you, but of course we don't have that much time left. Um, so, you know, is there, is there anything else that you would wish to share or anything upcoming where people can follow you? Anything that you're committed to? Uh, you know, whether it's publicly, public appearances, anything that you're endeavoring to do that people might be equally interested to follow you outside of your show? Oh my goodness. That's so lovely of you. I had to say that I was just going um, over over um, some notes. I'm going to be hosting um, an event uh, in North York tomorrow night, actually, for the Live Wise Foundation. And uh, Olivia Wise passed away. She had cancer a couple of years ago. And you might remember her. She was the one. She did Roar, the Katy video, Katy Perry video Roar. It kind of mm-hmm. made headlines a little while mm-hmm. ago, and and Katy saw it and acknowledged it, and um, and then she passed away. And so there is a concert in her honor at the Toronto Center for the Arts in North York uh, on Saturday, tomorrow mm-hmm. tomorrow evening, and all sorts of young people will be performing music, and her family will be there as well. And uh, it's just an amazing, amazing event that helps with cancer research uh, with the oncology unit. Um, mm-hmm. Sick Kids Hospital always does a great job, and the tireless uh, doctors and nurses and mm-hmm. team and staff there, it's just, just amazing. So it's my pleasure uh, to be doing that. So that, that's yes. tomorrow. Beautiful. And anything else coming up? Anything over the holidays specifically? You know what? Over the holidays, I try to actually take it a little bit easier. My oh, kids are you. off school. I do. I try to take it a little easier, so my kids are off school. So I'll be I'll be off for a little bit and just hanging out with my family. And we'll see we'll see what the new year brings. 
Lovely. Well, I'm sure it's going to be a yummy year for you, and uh, I certainly wish that for you and your loved ones and all your colleagues on the station. And um, so while right before we leave here, Marcy, for people who uh, support you, uh, want to follow you maybe as a result of this show, just because our base is quite huge. Um, so where can people follow you? Where can people tap into what's going on with Marcy I.N.? They can tap in. It's at Marcy Ian. It's so M A R C I I E N, and that's on Twitter. And I do respond uh, on Facebook as well. Uh, still my name, or at Canada AM. They mm-hmm. can always drop us a line. Um, going to the website, they can get through to me immediately, and that's CanadaAM.CTVNews.ca. And I always love to hear from people. I, I always love to hear from people. Fantastic. So please get in touch if if you feel the need. Okay, get in touch with Marcy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Marcy, I've got three minutes here, so I just want to say how lovely it was to have this time with you and all the connecting behind the scenes in our telephone conversation. Just really think you're a salt-of-the-earth person, and I've been very blessed with the, the particular guests that I've had on my show. I really feel that way towards everybody who's been very gracious to uh, provide me with this time and this opportunity and my listeners and, and the network itself. So I just want to say thank you. Um, big fan of yours. Uh, we'll continue to be, continue to support you. And, and I hope this isn't the last time that we connect. I would love to keep in touch, uh, to whatever degree. Again, we're all very busy, but, uh, just know that I'm here and, um, and I'm following you and I support you. And I think you're doing amazing things in the world outside of just the job itself. You wear a lot of hats again, some of which we didn't completely all get to here in this one hour. But uh, keep doing what you're doing. Thank you on behalf of everybody for what you do do and for the bright light that you are. And uh, for the listening audience, I want to thank you once again for tuning into my show, Carpe Diem. I'm your host, Lisa McDonald. I go live every Friday here at the Contact Talk Radio Network at 11.04 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Should you have any show topic ideas or you wish to here as a potential guest on my show, please feel free to reach me at either lisamcdonald13 at gmail.com, and McDonald is spelled M-C-D-O-N-A-L-D, or you can reach me at lisamcdonaldauthor.com. And I just want to say I wish everybody a fantastic, safe weekend. And Marcy, all my best. Thank you so much. This has been absolutely lovely. Well, you are wonderful. And thank you for your thoughtful questions, Lisa. And you know what? You get what you give. And you are very much a bright light yourself. So I appreciate you. And thank thank you you very much for all that you're doing. It was lovely to chat. Oh, thank you, Marcy. You really touched me there. Thank you. Okay, well, you take care of yourself. Goodbye, everybody. Have a wonderful weekend. You too. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Carpe Diem with your host, Lisa McDonald. For more information, please go to Lisa's website at lisamcdonaldauthor.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.